everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWing Kill Guard Studios. What's going on, Bass Edge Radio listeners? Man, I appreciate you all being here. It's a new year. First show of 2024, and obviously an exciting time, exciting for us here at Bass Edge Radio, man. Again, thanks to y'all for hanging out with us, and uh, man, I hope you're going to have a great time listening to this first episode of 2024, man. Quick reminder, got to let you know that you don't want to miss an episode of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure you hit that uh, YouTube subscribe button, hit the like button, and uh, of course join in on the conversation. Go ahead and comment down below on the YouTube. Uh, Of course you can catch every episode on YouTube, but also through all your audio uh, podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, basically any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, man. And as always... As announced last episode, Bass Edge Radio again, brought to you by Mega Wear Keel Guard. Super great to have them back with us. The Keel Guard providing boat owners protection from grinding salt, abrasive rocks, concrete boat ramps. Don't go without having a Keel Guard on your vessel, man. Be sure you browse over to KeelGuard.com. Check out all their other products, Flesh Step, Scuff Buster, Battery Guard, um, just all kinds of great stuff. I, I personally love the Skeg Guard. I always need a Skeg Guard. Um, I, I, I'm running where I shouldn't be. But uh, anyway, that's a different story. Man, um, we are also really excited to announce a new boat partnership. Man, check that out. That's right. Bass Edge Radio. We have partnered with Bass Cat Boats. For the 2024 year. Super excited for that. Bass Edge and Bass Cat join forces to continue bringing you the most educational fishing content and podcasting. Yes, Bass Cat Boats from Mountain Home, Arkansas. Mr. Rick Pierce, Cody, Kenny, and all the Bass Cat gang up there have really rolled out the red carpet. And we'll be bringing you some content from our boat build in the coming episodes and provide you the lowdown on what owning a bass cat is all about. Man, we are going to begin to feel the rush. So excited about that. Man, the uh, 2024 BASS Elite Series, BS Open EQs, MLF Bass Pro Tour, MLF Invitationals, and most recently the NPFL. That's the National Professional Fishing League. Man, the rosters are set, and it is time to go fishing. Man, the... The uh, 2024 is really kicking off today. It's Friday we're taping this. We'll be airing it this weekend. But uh, today was the first college bass fishing event down there at Lake Toho with the Major League Fishing Organization. And uh, took a little over 21 pounds to win that event. University of North Alabama looked like a couple uh, brothers went down there and took the crown. So uh, congratulations to the to the the Nut family, that was great to see, and uh, took about 15 pounds to get in, but let me tell you, people fired up about going fishing, 225 college teams in that tournament, absolutely outstanding to see, and of course, the uh, first MLF Bass Fishing League tournament kicking off this weekend in Sam Rayburn, Texas, so uh, man, bassing is uh, rolling in some parts of the country already this first week of 2024. Um, man, uh, bringing, bringing to you in this episode and hopefully several more men in the future, it's 
kind of I wanted a soundboard for some of this opening intro stuff and you know kind of an additional view of thought I'm always spieling talking to you folks letting you know my thoughts man but really wanted to bring somebody else on the show with us and and we've been able to do that with uh, a guy that I met long ago his name is Rich Lingren Rich there you are Mr. Hellabass there he is Rich welcome to Bass Edge Radio man I am so Stoked to have you, hopefully, as a part of several episodes throughout 2024. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to, to geek out and talk some bass fishing with the uh, the Bass Edge universe here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, truth be told, Rich has his own universe. Hella Bass, YouTube, just phenomenal information. As I said, you know, well, Rich is a bass junkie just like myself and he takes it to an awesome level there on his youtube channel at hella bass he's got some great social media platforms so be sure you check out his own media content but then that, that was what really drew me rich and i met how long ago was it rich we met down here at lake amistad what was the year that with that remitz one was that oh six oh seven somewhere I, back then that was oh seven my second seven. year, that was his rookie year, 2007. Somewhere around there. Yeah, we were. you were out fishing day three or day four, missed the cut, and I was out fun fishing, and we ran each, each other in a cove and kind of chatted and, I don't know, kind of stayed in touch ever since. Yeah, yeah, kind of been watching each other ever since that time. I know we've sent a message or text here and there throughout the years, but, man, it's, uh, like I say, it's great to have you on the show, man. Um Tell you, what are you looking for most in, in the Bassin world in 2024 as we kick off this new year? I guess that's just to kind of see how things shake out. Obviously, there's been a, a tons of movement back and forth, and we're probably going to talk about that a little bit today and just see, like, who's going to put up and who's going to shut up, right? Like, because there's been a lot of movement and a lot of jockeying for position. We'll just, let's just see who's going to catch them. Yeah, that that it's going to be fun, man. Like I was mentioning just before I popped you in that, uh, you know, all the rosters are set. Things are ready to ready to get rattled. You know, the the most recent roster that was set was the MPFL. And they announced that about a week or so ago. Um, several Elite Series anglers added to their schedules. Also, uh, a few MLF Invitational anglers moving over into the MPFL format. Uh, what's your thought process on that? Why do you think an angler kind of wants to move from, you know, even some Bass EQ guys, you know, decided not to do the EQs. They're doing the MPFL. What, what's attractive about the MPFL for, for some of these anglers, number one, to move circuits to go fish MPFL, number two, to add it to their already busy schedules when they could potentially, like for an Elite Series angler, be, you know, hindering some potential, um, you know, goals that they're trying to make on, on their primary tour. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I kind of asked myself the same thing, and I don't know that I have the answer. Right. I think if you look at some of the anglers like Drew Cook, Kyle Welcher, uh, Joseph Webster, right? They, I think they saw what Patrick Walters did, and I think yeah. they see the additional opportunity. Now, I, I think a couple of them might be successful, but some of them probably aren't. Just the odds are like the payouts are not that deep in the MPFL. Right. They're actually pretty similar to like – the opens and the invitationals as far as they're 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 better on the top end right because if you pop one it's a hundred grand that's awesome right but like yeah. it gets pretty skinny like there's a lot of i was looking at like uh my buddy dustin smith that he was finished like top i remember was 15 in the aoi last year in mpfl okay. and he made like 25 grand in winnings that's i wild. think entry fees last year would have been like over 30 yeah it would have been six events at five grand a piece 30k plus travel right. expenses and 
and and we've gone down this rabbit hole before. It's it's tough to make money tournament bassing alone. Uh, you, you've got to have support outside of that. You know, we've seen the Jacob Fouts video several weeks ago. Um, you, you're gonna find out real quick that it's it's a headache uh, just trying to right. catch bass and live. You've got to do a lot of other things. I made a quick list here. Here's some more guys. MPFL roster. Uh, Elite Series angler Buddy Gross adding to his schedule. Yep. I probably the most shocked this angler Kyle Welcher. AOY, BASS Elite Series, jumping into MPFL. What do you think? It's just some holes in the schedule, and he feels like, hey, man, it's going to work, or what? I mean, I think you look at a guy like Welcher. He's a poker player. Like, poker players, they you know, if there's a, if there's a game, they're going to show up for it, right? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Really good point. Man, Tommy Biffle, moving over from MLF Bass Pro Tour, could have fished again. Could have done his thing over uh, there. Yeah. Inter- I'm not sure if he dropped – you know, they redid it and they pulled some people up and I don't know if he had already bowed out or yeah, okay. maybe he would have yeah, got, yeah. I mean, he didn't initially qualify, but then after the shakeout, they brought more people up. So I guess that was maybe a timing thing. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. he just, maybe that every fish counts was like, that's the final straw. I want to fish yeah. for five. Uh, I, that was a final straw for a lot of guys. I, I think that's, that's a great point right there that every fish counts really changed a lot of, I, yeah, I heard Mike McClellan who's, who's fishing the BA. B-A-S-S-E-Qs this year, you know, the reason he's not fishing MLF right now, the Bass Pro Tour, because he could have gotten back in as well with all, all the adjustments and things that went on. Uh, it was it was because of the five fish uh, change over back to the every fish counts for 2024. So great point. Let me let me sling through a couple more names, man. Some interesting stuff. Zach Burge, David Fritz, of course. So we, we know David didn't requalify for the Elite Series kind of. Maybe on the tail end of his career, but Pete Ponds moved over from MLF Invitationals to to now MPFL. West Logan, Elite Series angler, Robert Nakatomi. This one kind of surprised me too. He's had some success on the MLF Invitationals, you know, played around with the opens as well. But now he's going in. Maybe he sees an opening where he thinks he can, you know, kind of cash in a little bit on this. And this guy is the same scenario. Lane Olson, Westy that went east, now fishing MPFL. What yeah, do you think about those couple names? And I, I don't know. I think that I think almost every one of these probably is a slightly different story scenario. But I think the MLF anglers are looking at the uncertainty at the top at the BPT. Definitely, have, we've talked about that and done videos on that, and been lots yeah. of discussion. I think they're just like, you know, if, if you're not looking to move up, the payouts probably are pretty comparable between the uh, NPFL and the MLF Invitationals. Maybe they feel that's a maybe a slightly less stout field top to bottom. I don't know if they think there's better, maybe the schedule fits them, the, the bigger gaps in travel. It's yeah. I think MPFL is a little more set up that if you do want to, if you, if you know, if you own a business or you, you have a job, I think you can probably swing that a little easier. Right. Right. I see it twofold. I see some of the guys that are just flat out full timers are like, right. Hey man, I got schedule openings and I'm going to go put my chips. Like you mentioned with Kyle Welcher into this other basket, just like, Walters, Patrick Walters did yeah. last year and was successful with that. So those are kind of your full-timer guys saying, hey, man, I got gaps in my schedule to potentially make some more money, do some more promotion. And so they're jumping on this bandwagon. But then you got other guys, like you mentioned, that and it's tough with those back-to-back events or crunch schedules where MPFL really catering to a, a schedule that's uh, elongated throughout the year. 
So uh, maybe maybe it helps a lot of guys being able to, to jump in there. There's, and there's a couple other interesting names like Jay Todd Tucker. I think you probably fished yeah. against him back in the day, I right? Did. Another kind of in the Pete Ponds category there of a former elite right. pro. Yes, yes. David Williams. I, 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 I noted Jason Williams fished last year, and his son is fishing this year, and I feel like that's a big reason why J. Todd Tucker also jumping in in PFL because sure. his his son was also fishing that event. Now they can kind of enjoy yeah, themselves Landon. together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But like David Williams, a guy that's bounced back at like every time he goes to the opens, he dominates. He like he pretty much right. wins a division of the opens, right? right. And then he goes to the elites, and it doesn't click. And so I wonder, you know, is 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 the open more like the MPFL and is it going to click for him? And is he going to be like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. And, I, and I, these guys that are adding on, I wonder, like, I wonder what they're, I mean, are they going to get, you know, is a, is a Zach Burge, uh, Drew Cook, Buddy Gross, Kyle Welcher. Uh, are they getting more from their sponsors by going and, yeah. do, you know, adding more on? Yeah. How do their sponsors receive like, them fishing the MPFL versus maybe fishing a couple divisions of Toyotas because I think honestly the payouts and the ROI just on a payback is probably better with incentives on the Toyotas. So what is the driver for the MPFL? Do they feel like the exposure on? I think it's that yeah. top nugget. Yeah, because you, the, they have the, less the, exposure. The swing really. at the hundred G's. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the swing at the hundred G's because from a manufacturer standpoint, my. my vision for them would be man it's great go out there promote more and all that but really is the media there with that organization to pay more dollars for them to spend that time out there maybe youtube is is a better is a better investment or you know time's well spent other places so it's it's an interesting interesting scenario but uh last couple names i want to throw out there scott wiley going from mlf invitationals to mpfl john sukup took the year off after he blew it out in the MPFL, won two tournaments. Um, the first year, MPFL was in existence. Of course, then he qualified for the Elite Series through the Opens, and uh, now he's fishing the Elite Series again, but adding back the MPFL. And so interesting. Self-admittedly, I had him on the last week of December on my live show. Okay. And he kind of opened up and kind of like cut a vein and talked about. I mean, no bones about it. John had a terrible season last year. He yeah, was yes near dead last and that that's not what we were expecting when john sukup made it after this you know winning two mpfls and kind of making it through the opens in his first season now he's made the choice to double down and he thinks that you know kind of that like fishing more you know getting in that groove kind of like when ish Mm -hmm. fished Mm -hmm. flw and elites back in the day you know so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out so the uh, MPFL 129 anglers, I believe it was, uh, which is like biggest, up from like 75 biggest, or 80, big jump, biggest field ever, biggest field ever. Yes, absolutely. You go to maybe the MF- big M- sweet Captain America trophy because they are pretty sweet looking trophies. <laughs> they are cool looking trophies. I agree with that. Invitationals down on participation. They had three uh, hundred, excuse me, 137 uh, commit to fishing all six events. Um, after you know they recently uh they they've announced their uh roster since my last podcast so um interesting to see how that was down now you're gonna get a lot of jock jack potters you saw that up in your neck of the woods you're from wisconsin and uh obviously a big deal up there at the end of the season last year you had several local anglers jackpot that thing and take away some some chunk of change so 
yeah. kind of a bummer for those guys to commit to all six, all nine or excuse me all six. But uh, I don't know how they do it otherwise. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think th- I mean they did it all last year. Yeah. If you watch, I mean, if you if you follow fantasy fishing like I do, there was a lot of people jackpotting every event. Yeah. It didn't really come to a head because the locals didn't make that big of a splash until lacrosse. I mean, the, the I don't remember the names, but you go back and look at the Ulafala rosters and the flo- like. There was local hammers getting in every event. Yeah. They were filling the field. They were doing whatever they were could do to fill that MLF Invitational field. Yes, I think it only got talked about because like. I don't know, six out of the top 10 at the Mississippi were, were locals and, and yeah, people I know and friends really, of mine. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I could really think about other than that was uh, Brian Schmidt down there on the Potomac. He, he, uh, he had a really nice finish. One of the, one of the few. Yeah. I mean, there was guys here and there. You'd have one guy make a top five, make a top 10, but like it, it didn't, you know, shake up the field as much as this. And I think, so I think you combo people having a little bit of sour taste about letting, but M- MLF, even FLW, did that for years did that yeah. like this is not new yeah. no it is uh, not. it's a little little more talked about and spread as social media becomes more popular and and i just think that also goes back to the uncertainty at the top right like this moving target and yeah the bpt has changed things up and like one year we're taking five and then next year we're only we didn't take any and now we're taking 15 and then it's just like people just i don't think they they, they trust it from the top down which is unfortunate because I don't know. I feel like the FLW legacy, the, the people that, you know, the, that ran the Toyotas and the BFLs, like there's a lot of good people there and I don't want to see it go the wrong way for that whole organization. Right. Right. So interesting that they had some commitments down this year. I, I feel like that kind of is laying a pathway for MLF to say, uh Oh, how are we going to adjust? Because if, if, it, if the economy gets tough, you know, through 2024, maybe you have less people fishing in 2025. Who, who, you know, nobody's got a crystal ball, but, um, you know, we saw this in the elite series back in 09, 10, 11, Dude, elite series. A lot of people don't know this. I've been fishing maybe too long at, at some really high levels, but, uh, back in like those days, uh, which doesn't, it's not that long ago, you're talking 13 years. They couldn't even fill the elite series fields as coveted as those spots are today. They could not fill the field back in 9, 10, 11. They had like 92, 93, 95 anglers. People were just declining everywhere. So, anyway, a whole whole nother situation there. Bass EQs down on commitments as well. I think a lot of guys spent a lot of money last year and were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually surprised that I think it's higher than I was expecting I know we went from like what 170 something to 155 or yes. 52 or something this year. Right. A little bit of regress into the mean. I thought it would actually probably drop to like 115, 120. It doesn't surprise me that it dropped. I think there's a lot of anglers that shot their shot last yeah. year. Like, yeah. you know, it cost them a lot of money and maybe strained some relationships and some work things and, and professional. And it, it, I think a lot of them found out it was a lot harder than they thought it was going to be both you know just the fishing the grind the travel like i think a lot of people you know back in the old system you'd fish a division of the opens and it's like yeah you know that yeah that was that was pretty cool it was three weekends spread out over a summer and now it's like wow nine events a year is a lot for some people especially when it's a week long and i think some of them found out like even if i did make it i don't i don't know if i'm cracked up for this anymore (laughs) right i see this going going uh a continual decline 
uh, just because I think it has to. You know, nine events, 150 mm-hmm. people. There's just not enough money in the industry to spread around. Now you got NPFL. Uh, you know, me working with a, a fishing hook company, I see a lot of these these folks coming in asking for uh, support and these kind of things. And man, there just isn't enough to go around. Period. Period. <laughs> yeah. Until we get a whole lot more viewers and a whole lot more out of industry money sponsors partners, this is gonna kind of just be a a roller coaster until. Yeah. You know, if we can get to be, you know, where we're fishing for anywhere near PGA money or something where people like don't depend on. Right. And there's no entry fees like at the top level. I think this is just going to kind of be the the ebb and flow of things for probably at least a, a decade. Well, not only do you have those EQ folks that, that we've talked about in podcasts previous, you know, ex winners like Mike McClellan, uh, classic winner, Cliff Pace, uh, Randall Tharp, Brett Height. Uh, FLW stalwart Cody Meyer, Ishman Rowe, but dude, Russ Lane. Now, now you're looking at Koya Fujita going to fish all nine opens too. Oh, uh, you can just remove one check for each event. <laughs> Kenta Kamura is doing it again. He's finished in the top ten, top five, maybe the last couple years. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, Kenta just crushes it out there in the open. So that's kind of another check removed. JT Tompkins. Won the whole deal last year, qualified for the elites, still going back for more in the Bass EQs. What do you think about that's that crazy. decision? That's that's think? odd. We'll see how that that'll be an interesting one. You know, fast forward here six months, we'll be bringing that back up, saying like, "Wow, it's amazing that he's like killing it all over." Or like, "Wow, maybe that was too much." Like, maybe yeah. his elites are sacrificed. Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I know, like Kyle Patrick is fishing like a single division. Opens on top of the elites, which I feel like that's kind of more balanced than you're getting, you know. Right. And those are new lakes, and he's like, "Well, I'm kind of investing in myself because, you know, those are lakes that we will fish on the elites in the future. So yeah. it's like I might as well get my reps in." But a whole, you know, you know, basically double season, and the payouts aren't there. So, no, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, and the payouts did did grow a little bit, which which was nice to see. You know, Bass flush flushing more money into that. Um, Maybe he wants the AOI money that he didn't get last year he thinks he can get it again maybe (laughs) yeah that that might be true and kyle patrick as you mentioned uh elite series rookie coming up in 2024 qualified through the uh bassmaster eqs last year um i think a good decision on fishing three because you can still qualify for the classic as well i think that's really important um he fishes all three in one division you know depending on how his elite series does he still has that little nugget of potential he won last year at lake of the ozarks going to the classic through that win he could do it again he could do it again. Yeah. He's got the which I kind of thought just kind of along the same track before they reshuffled back to 65 from 50. Yeah. I was kind of thinking we were going to see more BPT anglers fishing the invitationals, trying to like double their chances of getting back to the BPT. Right, right, right. But I don't, that doesn't look like it when you look at the field by any means. No, yeah, I agree. Well, Rich, man, it's been great to kind of break all that down and see what's going on. Man, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, we've got a feature angler spotlight coming up here in just a little bit. And uh, top five angler of the world, man. Have you been watching this guy? I, he probably doesn't get enough credit for being on the M- MLF uh, BBT side and, and just not the same uh, show as the Bassmaster side. But let me say this. I did kind of a year in review. Patrick Walters crushed it last year. Won, a, won an Elite Series at Thousand Islands. Won an MPFL. 
uh, won, I think, two NPFLs, actually. Yep. Uh, won $360,000. I had done the math. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But I was like, dude, that guy owned the bass fishing world last year. He owned it. 300 Well, I got I to gotta put my foot in my mouth. Dakota Ebear owned the world in bass fishing last year. Dude won 440K. 440K. Top five angler in the world. He's going to be our fit, our feature angler spotlight. MLF, Bass Pro Tour angler. I mean, just flat out fish catching fanatic. Uh, he won at Clarks Hill this year on the MLF Invitationals. He uh, won at uh, Sam Rayburn in the Toyota Series to kick off the year last year. He won on the MLF BBT last year. Dude, dude was just winning everywhere. He cashed 50K in the heavy hitters event, which I think a lot of those special events don't get the the fanfare that they deserve. What do you think about those special events? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and and you are right. He has been crushing it. And I actually walked by him at the Classic in Knoxville, and I think he was in the was the Grudens or Grundens booth. Yeah, and like, yeah. you could have walked up to him and talked to him, and he's literally one of the hottest anglers on the planet. So it, uh, more people need to be talking about Dakota and what he's done. So I'm yeah. excited to, to tune in and listen to to this. Awesome, man. Well, he, he's, he's going to be our feature angler. We're going to have him on here in just a minute, man. It was great to have you on the show, Rich. Man, I look forward to having you back. Obviously, hopefully we can get together for many episodes throughout the year. Once the Bassin starts, we can start breaking down some techniques and, and uh, kind of what we see out there. And uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to have you on the show to to uh, kind of, you know, like I mentioned, kind of have that soundboard, get another thought process. It's It's the greatest thing is I know you're a bass junkie just like I am. We could talk about this stuff all night. So uh, it's, it's fun to have you on the show. Um, outside of your YouTube channel, uh, Hella Bass, make sure you check that out on YouTube. Rich, where else can they find you on your social media platforms? Yeah, pretty much everywhere else. You know, I dabble in the, the Facebook and the TikTok and the Instagram and all that stuff. So, yeah, any, any, any of your favorite fishing social platforms, Hella Bass is where you'll find me. I like it. Hella, and I wanted, I wanted, how did, how did you get the Hella Bass name? Yeah, it actually goes back uh, a ways, back to like kind of college days, right? Okay. Uh, dating myself, like late 90s, uh, early right, 2000s. Right. Uh, so back then, like every, you had to be like, there was all these boards and, uh, you know, like uh, chat rooms and stuff. You'd have to have a handle, right? And, and I played uh, club volleyball. So there was like a hella kill, right? Like hella okay. is like big, right? Extreme over the right, top. Right, right. And then when I kind of like started like joining some of these like bass boat centrals and you know, all those fishing boards of the day, I was like, well, hella bass sounds cool. And just went, yeah, sweet man. I like it. I dig it. Always enjoy watching your channel, man. Thanks for being on the show. Um, you guys stay tuned. Uh, Rich is going to leave us, but we're going to come back again with our feature angler spotlight. MLF Bass Pro Tour Angler, Dakota Ebert, man, kicking off the 2024 show for Bass Edge Radio. And y'all stay tuned. We'll be back right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. <laughs> 
Since 1971, Basscap Boats has innovated, persistently thinking outside the box, never abandoning their roots or the commitment to quality through their process. Clearly visible in the new Puma STS, their design and development continues to evolve, improving performance, enhancing the angler's experience, and broadening the appeal of the sport they have dedicated their lives to. Basscap Boats, feel the rush. What's up, what's up? We are back for more Bass Edge Radio. Man, I mentioned it before the break. He's coming to us without further ado. All right, there he is, y'all. Just as promised, feature angler spotlight with Dakota E. Baird. Dakota, man, thanks for coming back on Bass Edge Radio. It's been a couple years. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me back. I'm looking a little rough right now. This is the first time I think I've seen myself in about three or four days. I've been in the deer camp. I, I don't I've just been in the woods, man. Really, honestly, since October. So, uh, that's awesome. I, I still got the deer look rocking. That's good. You, did you see some big bucks out there while you were uh, hunting around? Not this week, man. It's been a good year, you know. Honestly, um, I've had some ups and downs, but I, I've had some killed some nice deer. But this week, it was really slow for some reason, and I thought it'd be rocking, but it, it was pretty slow. Yeah, I, I know it's uh, it finally got pretty cool here in Texas. Finally, it, it's been yeah. Warm, I was actually oh, yeah, I was actually in Mississippi, and the weather's been phenomenal there. Usually, right now yeah. it's kind of the peak of their rut, but it was kind of a lull right now. I don't know; it's kind of weird. But yeah. hopefully, when I get back out there, it'll be it'll be rolling. All right, man, we're gonna change your focus right into bass fishing real quick for a <laughs> while. So, uh, man, I appreciate you joining us. Um, man, last time we had you on the show uh, a couple years ago, you were a rookie popping into the Bass Pro Tour. You had had some great success there with the uh, Pro Circuit. And, um, you, you know, at that time, you were fishing everything under the sun. Every Toyota that was made, you were there. Uh, you were fishing every turn. You know, you had your truck camp. You still running your little truck camper? No, I haven't. I haven't ran in a couple of years. I actually thought about getting into it, but I don't, I, again, but I don't have one right now. It was actually really nice when I had it. Well, I remember you were just a road junkie, and uh, you were just everywhere on there. But, man, fast forward from that interview to today. It was almost exactly two years ago. I think it was March of 2020, uh, or excuse me, March of 2022, your, your uh, rookie year there. Dude, two top five AOIs in the MLF Bass Pro Tour. And uh, now you are top five in the Bass Fan Angler of the World rankings dude what's up with that how does that feel tell me something about it man honestly i'm still the same guy i was a couple years ago last time we talked i'm still running up and down the road trying to fish as much as i can and deer hunt as much as i can when i ain't fishing i'm still the same guy same same thing same motives same goals all of that i nothing much has changed honestly other than i'm not living in my truck and i i'm not having to stay in my buddy's spare bedroom and I, during the off season fortunately i don't have a pile of in my buddy's shop taking up half of it you know um a little bit more organized uh other than that man same guy same goals same passion and uh just very thankful to be doing it for a living yeah man well it's been a phenomenal run these last couple years and and you know let's mention the hat right there on top of your head man this this year uh, I saw you announce this kind of talk about it a little yeah. bit there in November at the Toyota Championship yeah. but uh cats out of the bag you have changed up partnerships. Tell me about your Bass Pro partnership. How did this thing all come about? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, at this point, I, I, I could not be more thankful and excited for the business partners that I have 
you know, moving forward. I mean, the people that are on my jersey this year, I mean, I could not ask for more. Between Strike King, Lose, Bass Pro Shops, Nitro, Mercury, Garmin, and Power Pole, I mean, I feel like what else? I mean, that's 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 the dream lineup, right? I mean, what else right. can a guy ask for, you know? And and I was told, you know, how you know, two years ago, whenever I'm still, you know, I'm still grinding stuff. People are like, man, you know, you just can't, you can't do it the old school way. You've got to have social media. You got to do Instagram. You got to do TikTok. You got to be famous on, you know, you got to be an influencer to get those kind right. of deals and stuff. Right. I said, well, you know, whatever. I'm just going to keep fishing and I'm doing my thing. And and it's funny because people told me that I couldn't do it that way. And, and it actually, it worked out better for me, I feel like, because I did it my way, like in an authentic way. Like I didn't feel comfortable like going on, on social media and trying to be somebody before I ever did anything. You know, like right, I didn't right. feel like, I felt like I was putting things backwards, you know? So I just kind of kept on going along and through and through, uh, it was we were at the second event of my Bass Pro Tour rookie year last year, 2022, uh, at Lake Fork. Finished second there, and my phone just started blowing up, and it was like, man, like this is cool. All right, I like this because when I qualified for the Bass Pro Tour, my phone didn't ring a single time. So I'm like, yeah. I'm all excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm limping in, and nobody called. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right, right. Oh well, I'll keep going fishing, whatever, you know. And then yeah. as I started having success on that on that tour you know the phone started ringing and and very for it was i just i'm very appreciative for the way that it all happened because um i'm able to be me and do my thing and and operate my business and, and people like respect that they appreciate that and they you know they they appreciate me just being true to me and and doing the things the way that i do them and so it's allowed me to kind of continue to focus on uh, fishing and, and performing at the highest level, trying to be the best I can be. But now we get to transition into the content producing side of things, which we're going to be doing a lot of and everything. So it's all falling into place. I'm very, very thankful to be working with Bass Pro Shop, Strike King and Lose, especially. Uh, they're going to be you know, my main business partners moving forward and uh, hopefully for the rest of my career, honestly. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, congratulations, man. It's great to see. Love how you lo love your story right there. It's uh. Dude, props to you. That's what I got to say right there. So, yeah. uh, man, several years ago, I mentioned earlier, man, you were fishing everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. Every Toyota event, every, you know, BFL event, if it was around, every local event, what, whatever it was, you could find Dakota at a tournament, man. And, and we talked a little bit about it a couple years ago, about that progression you know, and how mm -hmm. you made it finally to the Bass Pro Tour. And, and now that you had arrived on, you know, this top level of the MLF organizational cycle, um, looking back now after your two years and now being a top five, I think you're ranked four or five in the world. Um, mm -hmm. This How did that all come about? How did it feel from these last couple of years? Were you, because you haven't fished quite as much as you did those previous years, right? I mean, you've slowed down a well, little bit. The the Bass Pro Tour events last so long, you know, there's seven there's seven days or so, like, you know, between different groups and all that stuff. The way that it's structured right now, it just physically hasn't allowed me to go to as many tournaments. I've been on the road the same amount of time. Like whenever my truck's been leaving in January, I don't come back home till September for the most part. Right, you know, right, right. That I've still kept the same tempo. I just physically haven't been able to enter as many events um as I have in the past um this year same thing um don't 
I, I still want to fit events as I can, um, as I have time for, because I just truly enjoy the competition of competing in bass tournaments. Um, Absolutely. But I, I do really attribute a lot of that to the success that I've been very fortunate to have. Uh, I think that time on the water is possible. I don't care how many videos you watch or how much stuff you do and everything. I think all that stuff is valuable and that you can you know, use those resources. But if you're not on the water making decisions in tournament like in a tournament circumstance where the pressure and everything is getting to you and that clock's ticking, I think right. that that's whenever the true, like that's whenever you truly start to figure things out and, and, and find success is when you get comfortable making those decisions under pressure. So the more tournaments you can fish, the, the better you're going to be at making decisions in tournaments. Well, you've certainly been able to make those decisions under pressure and do extremely well the last couple of years against the top anglers in the world, man. You, you've proven yourself time and time again. Um, let, let's, let's roll into another question right here. Um, you know, I know that you extremely embrace forward-facing sonar technology, I would say much quicker than others because of all the time you were able to spend on the water and, and manipulate that new technology and really become uh, very understood. I know you and Kyle Hall were big buddies and did a lot together through that process as well, probably bounced things off of one another. What have you seen in the last two seasons that has kind of progressed through that process? Not just, of course, everybody's using forward-facing sonar technology, right? Mm -hmm. But are you seeing, because you were on the front side of it, how are you already making new adjustments to that? Are you seeing more pressure out there? How are you adjusting to that pressure? How are you dealing with the evolution of more anglers focusing on one of the techniques and styles of fishing that really uh, catapulted you a little bit to, to where you are today? Well, you know, honestly, I, I wasn't, I don't feel like on the forefront of that deal. I think I missed it for a couple of years because it wasn't really? until 20. Yeah. I didn't have forward facing sonar until 20. Well, until the, well, so 2020 was the COVID year, right? So everything got pushed back into the fall. Yeah. I was at Sanda and I, and I was at with the, I was at a, it was a tour event. Well, they made it into, at the time, it was a uh, super, super tournament. Super made tournament. Yes. Super tournament, right? They, they merged the basketball tour and whatever. I was running all the way across uh, Lake Erie in five, six foot waves that I should have never done, running all the way to St. Clair. And I'd get over there um, with only a couple hours of fish and then get back. And I was fishing around guys, and they were just, you know, like Spencer Shuffield was around me and uh, a couple other guys, Miles Berghoff, a couple other guys. And, like, man, they would go over there, they'd pick off their five fish, and then they'd ease on back across the lake. And I was over there just winging around a drop shot, praying to God that it landed by one. And inevitably, by the end of the day, I would catch five of them. And then I'd have to just haul butt back. I like towed out my boat trying to get back. But at that event, uh, I ended up getting a check. And that event is what qualified me for the Bass Pro Tour. But I, watching those guys effectively pick those fish off with the Garmin Live Scope for a bite, I said, man, I, I'm missing it right here. Like this is, I, I'm, I, I can't do that more. And the contract was up with the company that I was with at the time. And, and that, that particular tournament was my last recreation event. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of professionally handled that. I felt like I, I approached them. I said, Hey, look, here's the deal. I, I appreciate everything you guys have done, but I, I can't as an angler sell myself short 
from a technology standpoint at this right. point, trying to compete against these guys doing this. And so I just remained independent at that point in time, went on about my business and uh, started learning the technology at that point. So I was behind, I felt like, you know, but. But you caught, did, you caught up real quick. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the water and dedicated myself to figuring it out quickly. And, but I think that either that is, is that I didn't get into this tournament scene on the, like hanging on the coattail of forward facing sonar. I learned how to fish in a, in a bateau in Louisiana years ago in neighborhood ponds and, uh, and, and, and all of that, like fishing Amy river and doing that and learning how to learn how to fish without any technology whatsoever. I mean, I remember not too long ago, seven, eight years ago, being at a college natural championship without any graphs in my boat. I had a, right. A uh, Humber 999 that I didn't even know how to use at the console, and I had it turned around. So I'm like fishing a ledge on the Tennessee River at Pickwick in a national championship like this. Like, I so I mean I I I didn't have that technology at first, so I taught myself to fish without it. So when I got it, it didn't do anything but just help me even more. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that that's very important to keep in a perspective if we're going to go on the subject of forward facing sonar. Is it a ah. phenomenal? Yeah, I do. I think it's a phenomenal tool, but I think you can't let it. I, if you took forward-facing sonar off the front of our boats, I, like in the Bass Pro Tour, the leaderboard wouldn't change very much. Maybe one or two guys, but as a whole, the leader Jacob Wheeler's still going to win with or without it. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, I'm just yeah. That's my opinion. Dakota, on that. Dakota will be in the top five with or without it. Uh, <laughs> I think I lost you there. I think got, yeah, I think I think you lost me for a second. I got you back. I got you. Got me back. Yeah. So I, I I can I can punch that in and 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 make another edit spot. Um. So Dakota, I I completely agree. Um. You know, and, and I wasn't trying to. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I you know. I but, got but on yeah, a, you know, I got at that po- at that point, no, yeah, it was a good tangent though. At that point, at, at Sadusky. That was really Garmin's coming out party. Let's be honest with it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they really started pushing that stuff in nineteen. It was uh, late nineteen when you really started getting the the mm-hmm. LB thirty two was was moving in that yep. that summer. And dude, companies like Lawrence didn't even have for they had I think it was called Spotlight or something. Oh, you know, I, it, it was basically I like did, a I, I lied. I did, I did have that thing on the front of the boat that. Thing the big blob, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let, let let's get let's get on into um, you know colder weather fishing months. I know you haven't been on the water much. You've been out there, you know, hunting, but you're gonna get ready to get on the water. I saw that you signed up for the uh, Rayburn Invitational, so so you're gonna be jumping yeah. into that. Uh, hopefully you can yeah. start your year in 2024 the way you started it in 2023, right? Big win there that in the Toyota awesome. Series. That'd be awesome. Um, man, these colder weather months, bait fish, just a big deal. Presentations, forward-facing sonar. You see a lot of jig head minnow. You see a lot of, of you know, just light lures that are forward-facing sonar dominated. You use a heavy jig that kind of thing to get in brush piles and things like that. But how are you finding the best way to attack bodies of water during this time of year with pressure as it's changing 
through technology. It is. Um, you know, everybody's getting pretty good with all of it, right? Like there's not a school of fish on Rayburn that's not going to get found in the next month or so and go get just pounded every weekend. Like guys are going to find them. They're going to catch them. So you have to learn how to stay ahead of the curve, however that may be. You know, I actually have elected not to pre-fish for that tournament um, really at all. Um, and and, I, and it's kind of against everything that I've done in the past. I, I normally I would go spend a lot of time and preparing, but the Toyota series that I won last year, I, I, I hadn't been on the lake at all. Uh, I had been in the woods hunting. I showed up, I practiced one day and ended up winning the event. Now, the only reason why I say that is because it, I was able to go fish that tournament in a freely. Like I, I, I looked for stuff outside the box stuff that I, I didn't go into it with any kind of preconceived notions. That's the most important thing to take from what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is what I'm using forward facing sonar and the technology to do. I want to go find stuff that's current and relevant that day and that time and that moment. And so when I go to a lake and it's cold or it's hot, it doesn't matter. I want to just in practice, I don't care about how many pounds I caught. I don't care how many bites I had. I don't care about any of that stuff. All I want to do is go get a feel for the lake, get an idea of what's going on and go figure it out on that day. And if you can do that, and you can use the technology to help you do that and be comfortable doing that. You will have a lot of success. I, I truly feel like the guys that are the best in the world are the guys that, that very effectively do that. No matter what circuit they fish, you look at and you watch those guys fish, you pay attention to what they're doing. They are fishing in the moment. And so you, allowing the technology to do that or to help you do that is, I think, key. And that's, that's yeah. giving away some pretty – that's – I mean, I know that's pretty vague – but in reality, I think that's that's key to a lot of my success. The right mental approach is, is more mental, important right than necessarily knowing. I mean, you already know 100 brush piles on Rayburn, maybe 150, maybe 250. I don't know. But 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 yeah. you understanding that, you know, there are certain places where, you know, you can look already that generally have populations of fish and then branch out from there to see what they're doing today or at that day. That's what you're saying is most important. Exactly. Like, truly, I can upload a single waypoint in my graph before that event. And I don't upload a single waypoint in my graph before this event. Maybe. Maybe I might upload some, some, a couple brush piles or something. But in reality, and I didn't fish anything in that event that I won that I'd ever fished before. Like, I fished all new water. Um, yeah. Would I have fished that new water with the confidence that I had without forward facing sonar? Probably not. So that that's the key there with that, you know, was I relying strictly on four facing sonar to catch everything I caught? No, not necessarily. Like, I, I mean, it, it helped me, but I was looking at it, but I don't mean that I'm necessarily chasing a fish around doing that. I don't actually yeah, use, yeah. I don't chase fish. If they don't bite whenever I cast to them, then I go find one that's dumb enough to bite. <laughs> right, right, um, but he's obviously too smart. Someone else that's got more like patience can go try to catch him. But but uh, I'm I'm just generally I, I'm trying to get I've got all these variables going around. I'm trying to find something that's going on that day, and I just use it to kind of help expedite that process. I like it. I like it. Makes perfect sense, man. We're gonna we're gonna take a short break, real quick, Dakota. Um, I got to give special thanks to uh, help supporting the podcast from Bass Cat Boats, Feel the Rush, 
We're going to return with more Dakota E-Bear winter fishing, early pre-spawn fishing strategies. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to have some more fun right here on Bass Edge Radio with Dakota E-Bear. Plenty of sunshine. Come on, man. Let's roll. What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. Bass Edge Radio. After a quick break, man. Talking with Dakota Ebear. Dakota, thanks for coming back with us after the break, man. Got a few more questions. Gonna break down some bassing. Man, is there such a thing anymore as following, you know, kind of the traditional winter to pre-spawn fishing techniques of bassing? You mentioned it before the break. You're not one of those guys that's just going out there, you know, scoping, chasing fish. If they're there and they'll bite, you'll catch them. But you're not going to keep casting at a fish, you know, hundreds of times or multiples of times. Hundreds probably way not, that. He put, you know. Not, um, not typically, no. Right, right. Unless, I guess, if it's real big looking, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I won't. I'm not saying I won't because see me on live or something they'll be like that dude's a liar because he's over here chasing that son of a gun and i'm like i'm saying yeah that's like eight pounds and i'm trying to get it up now well you, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned an eight pounder let's uh, we'll bring back the uh fantastic footage from clark's hill lake earlier this year now i know that yeah. fish was in a brush pile a little bit different but you saw that fish several times matter of fact i believe you broke that fish off is that right I believe that's the way it went down. I mean, that's what I saw, you know, and everybody was like, well, how come it didn't have a hook in its mouth? Well, I mean, man, I don't think there's a whole lot of eight-pounders swimming around Clark's Hill. There's a few. It's a good lake for sure, but I don't know of too many brush piles with two of them sitting there in it, and it could have been an eight and a 12 for that matter. I don't know. All I know is that whenever I stood up on the deck of my boat, I seen a really big blob sitting beside a brush pile. And I was like, well, all right. So I flipped over there. And before my, my uh, shaky had ever hit the bottom, it, like, darted over there and started swimming off. So I leaned back. And when I set the hook, I I didn't even put pressure on the fish. Like, it was kind of one of them deals where, you know, like, you just – as soon as I got pressure on my line, it, it cut it. And I guess, I you know, you know, a bigger fish has got, you know, a lot of teeth up there. And I think a big one, like, they clamped down so tight on that that the, the hook never got a chance to actually drive her. It probably just cut it, cut the line, and she blew it out, you know, whatever. And I, I was so frustrated. I retied. I stood back up, and, like, my boat hadn't moved. It's still sitting there, and that blob is still sitting there beside the brush pouches. Might as well try again. <laughs> it looked – I mean, it looked – it was the same exact scenario twice in a row. So – 
Could it have been a different one? Obviously. Do I think it was? No, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's the same fish. She just it was my day and she wanted to uh go for a boat ride. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. So when you're looking at these transition, you know, kind of winter to pre-spawn, um, are you seeing it or are you attacking it any differently now? with the with the forward facing sonar technology i mean traditionally you're getting into you know they're coming out off main lake getting into drains moving back into pockets uh, a lot of times traditionally you know when, when we're looking at that stuff it's it's uh brush piles out deep moving in the drains maybe over top some grass and then and then they're filtering out into those spawning bays how do you look mm-hmm. at that differently now with the technology in today's game not not I, I, I don't I don't look at it differently at all. Like that's kind of what I was going back to saying before. Like you can't forget about bats and their their habits and why they're at. Guys that are good with forward facing sonar are very good fishermen that understand that transition. But excuse me, better than anyone. And then they use forward facing sonar to do it more efficiently. That's it. Like that's I'm still doing the same old stuff because bass are still. Let me phrase that. They they are changing due to pressure. Like you know, I mean, they don't just sit out on these offshore places at Rayburn and just live out there happy and free, you know, all all year until they swim to the bank and get caught. They're getting caught all the time, so they are adapting to the pressure. But they're still going to feed. They're still the dominant predator in the lake, and still going to spawn. So understand their one and where they're coming from is still as important as ever. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, you know, when, when do, you know, when do you start seeing this transit? You talk a lot of people, you know, it's in, in the South, Florida, Texas, Southern Alabama, you know, fish will start moving right now in January. There, there, there's a contingency of fish. You get a couple warm days. They might start sneaking up and looking at some things. Where's your position on, when do you start looking for bass up on the bank versus out over open water or deeper cover? And what kind of makes that transition happen where there might be a couple days in a week where you are up there and then all of a sudden you skittle back and get back out in that deep water. What's going to make those differences for you? What are you looking for? Man, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to get too detailed on this because I, I don't want to say something that I'm not educated enough to verify. I will say feel like we have a very forward-facing sonar has taught me that there is a lot more about the bass spawn and their habits than we ever knew like in thought Mm. i think some of the old our old theories about bass and 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 what they do and how they they spawn a lot of that stuff is 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 true to a certain extent obviously we we see it with our eyes visually and all that but i think there's a lot else a lot of other stuff that goes on that you know, the spawn's a lot longer than probably we ever realized. Uh, they spawn a lot more. They spawn. It, it just, I don't know. It's it's just, there's a lot out there. A lot, a lot that we were learning. So you as think some go. of this new technology is allowing us to see some different behavioral patterns? Not that they're changing. Yeah. They still do the same stuff. No, they've been but, doing it forever. But we the just way that out. they do it, now we're seeing more and maybe understanding yeah. nuances we didn't understand in the past. Right. Right. We're learning more. I learn every single time I go on the water. I mean, that's that's my goal is to get a little bit better every day. If I can get 1% better every day, I'm 100% better in 100 days. So if I can just go out there and learn a little bit, just get a little bit more dialed in on, on bass behavior every day, 
you know, when I go put my boat in the water, then I'm getting a little bit better every day. So that's my goal. So, you know, I mean, always, always keep an open mind and don't ever rule anything out, you know, don't ever, you know, count anything like that out. Are you going to prefer to stay out deep? You feel like more fish are out deeper a little bit, bigger fish. You go to Toho, you see a lot of fish being caught off hard shell beds. You go to Kissimmee Chain. You go to, well, that is Toho. You go to Harris Chain, excuse me. Um, you go to Eufaula, Alabama. You go to Rayburn, Toledo. Um, do you feel like a more a better chance to catch a better quality fish through this time of year is out deeper. Even if you get a nice three or four day warm trend and get up shallow, where are you going? Where are you going to put your eggs in what basket? It's hard to say. Uh, it's hard to say because for me, um, for where, first of all, Florida, uh, I stay offshore at Florida because the spawn up there kicks my, there's always fish running i think in florida but there's always fish offshore in florida so i just stay out there and try to figure that deal out because that's my best chance at having some success out there uh, i've just come to terms with that and that's just all there is to it i'll probably get beat by somebody up there flipping or whatever sight fishing and doing that kind of stuff but i'd rather get beat and get a check at least than get beat and go home with nothing so i just stay out there i catch my 14 15 pounds and i go on about my way every one of these days i'm gonna find me a big group of free spawners out there in florida and i'm gonna win one of them on it but or post spawn or whatever but uh as far as you know the question you asked um i'm just always trying to find something different something that i got to myself and it may be on the bank, you know. Everybody might be out. Like if I if I go if I go down the lake and everybody's out there doing this, I'm going that way. Like I'm not typically go getting that because I don't I don't want to be middle of the pack. Like I I don't want to be in 50th place doing what everybody else is doing. I want to win. Right. And if you have to fish and that do that, I mean, I do go out there. I do that they aren't doing like i try to figure out the pattern within the pattern within the pattern that lets me get an advantage so I whether it's on the bank in two to three foot or i'm out there in 50 foot i want to find something a little different and that's just it i mean it's it's hard to do I mean, at times it's very hard to do but it, it's what it takes to to win i think now with as good as everybody is i like it i think it's a great mental approach obviously you're being very very successful with it um do you feel like you've been on a roll these first two years in the Bass Pro Tour? I mean, personally, are you just like, man, I'm doing really good? Or are you just like having some good days, having some tough days, but ultimately you're having a lot better days more consistently than other guys? How is your mental approach to that? If, if y'all only knew. I mean, <laughs> and and I'm going to share that this year. We're doing a video, like a vlog series. I've got a guy traveling me all year, and we're going to cover everything. The goods, the bads, the highs, the low, everything. And it's all going to go to my YouTube. So I encourage everybody to please like and subscribe. Watch it, because I've never done it before, and we're doing it now. I just got to post in my latest video. But you're going to get to see the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything else. And trust me, i got plenty of ugly this hunting season. I messed up some deer and everything else and made some bad shots. So we're going to show all that, because – that's what I want to do. I because you asked that question right there. Like people from the outside looking in are like, man, life's good. But it's the same. Man, I promise I've had just as many bad days as somebody else, you know, on the water. 
The difference is I don't let those bad moments turn into bad days. You don't let bad days turn into bad tournaments. You don't let bad tournaments turn into bad years. It's always about staying positive and just keep on moving because you're going to have – like you're going to lose fish that you shouldn't have lost. Yeah. And you're going to not win tournaments that you shouldn't have won. And then every once in a while, hopefully you win one that you shouldn't have won. You know, it's just – it's up, down, and back and forth. You just got to keep moving. That's all I've been trying to do, uh, I got you. It looked on paper and very for every song that I've had because that's what they are. Um, but I've still got a lot of work to do, and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. So, like, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be the best. Honestly, I mean, that's just it is what it is. And I, as as long as uh, I feel like um, I can, I'm going to continue to strive for that and try to keep getting better because the guys around me are going to continue to get better as yeah. well. And so, you know, if you don't keep moving, you're going to get left behind. So we're not complacent yet. Yeah, well, you know, you see the guys that are coming in this year. Uh, they've been they've been doing really good on that invitational circuit. Several of them been doing good there for years, and either hadn't chose to make the jump, but now they are, or they've been real close, and now they made it. Man, competition is definitely getting tougher and tougher as things go on. Man, what event are you looking forward to most next year on the BBT schedule? You know, honestly, I, I don't have a I, man. I'm excited about every one of them. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited just as much about the, the invitationals. You know, I mean, uh, I just enjoy the opportunity to go out and fish these tournaments. And and, uh, and I, I will say that I, I like the idea of going to some new places. Um, we're going to the the Coan River, I'm in San right yeah. North Carolina. Go on, go on, yes. something like that. Yep, yep. Whatever. <laughs> That's probably way off. Somebody in North Carolina is going, what did he just say? <laughs> uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, Never been there. Dale Hollow is going to be a phenomenal event. Uh, summer, early, it's leading. We're going to all righty. Invitational-wise, uh, I know you're jumping in the Rayburn one here uh, in about, you know, 30, 45 days, whenever that gets kicked off. Um, are you going to be able to jump in any other Invitationals this year, or are you just, just doing the Rayburn? No, I'm going to fish five of them. I am. Um, I'm oh, going to wow. fish five. Yeah, I'm going to fish five. Uh, the only one I'm not going to fish is Eufaula, simply because it was the one that didn't fit as much in my in my schedule. And the other thing of that is, is that I don't want to uh, affect the point in the qualifying process for the Bass Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, I'm in those guys' shoes not long ago. And so the last thing I want to do is take a spot from one of those guys qualifying, which could potentially be a life-changing deal. So, um, you know, you mentioned all the talent. And everything. That's the thing about bass fishing. I mean, let's be honest. There's guys fishing here locally at Sam Rayburn that are just as good as anybody in the world probably. I mean, like, yeah. you know, there's guys in Texas, let's say, that are just as good as anybody in the world fishing. The Dickie Newberries of the world, and and the guy, you know, Kyle Hall, and the, and the the guy that just won the Toyota Championship. Obviously, that guy. Just listening, I don't even know him. Like never, Chad. I don't, I don't right, even know yeah. him. But I, I listened to him talk about the way that he found what he found on stage, and I was like, that. <laughs> That's pretty tricky, right? <laughs> he don't. You don't just on like the way he did what he did. Um, so with that being said, there's so much talent in the sport, and um, and I, I I don't mean any disrespect for any of the, the guys that have 
literally helped build the sport and got to where it is. I think it's awesome. I, I wish I hope there's a place for everybody in the sport. I'm just saying there's a lot of talent down there, you know, that I think deserves a chance because they're 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 great anglers, you know. So yeah. uh, I don't know what the solution to all that is, but I I don't want to get in all that. So I'm not going to take part in in the points deal on that. That's that's a great lead into my next question, actually, because you typically don't take part in that, just like you didn't even, you know, expand on on what you were, you know, kind of a little bit of a thought process you're having. But, man, you can fish anywhere you want. Um, you and, and you you do you fish where you want to fish. Um, you kind of just staying in your own lane, ignoring all the noise that come out from different organizations or changes that occur in the industry. What's the one thing you like most about fishing the MLF organization and why you choose to fish there? I, I, I've tried my best to stay online. The more I can do that, the better success I have personally. But I will say that I am very um, passionate about growing the sport and 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 making it better for everyone. I mean, not just me. I mean, if it gets if the whole sport gets better, it's going to inevitably make it better for me. But I'm looking at. I mean, I really, if I can in any way be a positive impact on the industry and make it better for the sponsors of the sport, the fans of the sport, the anglers of the sport, all of it, then we all benefit from that. Right. So Absolutely. I'm not going to get too much on the politics side of that, but yeah, and that's why I, I did. That's why I thought it was great that you just love fishing MLF. That's where you're at. You don't get into the politics. And, and no, I think too many people do. I think too many yeah. people do. And I know that you're obviously, dude, you're crazy successful where you at. People love you know, or enjoy fishing, what they're fishing, because damn it, we're just going fishing, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I would a lot of my success to the fact that I, I, I've been able to compete over the last several years, like, and just love it. Like I, like I didn't know any better for a while. Right. Like I, yeah. I, I just didn't, I was, I kind of, I'll be honest. I kind of looked around. I'm like, well, why are all these guys have such bad attitudes? Like, what is like, what, what, whatever. So I just didn't know any better. I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, but having that good attitude and not worrying about all that stuff and just having fun, like, that's it. Like I was just out there having fun and I've got to really work hard to do that because now I'm starting to understand the dynamics of, of the, of the industry and stuff. And, and it's, it's a little, you know, whatever. I, yeah, I don't know. But well, yeah, it, it is what it is. But you're having fun fishing MLF. I, you're being successful, and you like it, and you're good. Yeah, and and keep having more daggum fun. <laughs> and that's just it. Ever been like if I, I've always been very transparent about things, and I and I will. I I've never been like a. I, there are people at Major League Fishing that I think are great. I, all that, like, and I'm very thankful for um, everything that I've been able to accomplish for my own brand through that organization. But I've never been like, oh, you got to fish this or you got to fish that. I mean, guys ask me every week, like, what do you think? What do you think I ought to do? Because that's like, that's that's the the million dollar question. Uh, I know what Dakota thinks he ought to do. Dakota thinks you ought to go out there and catch more fish than everybody else, and everything will be all right. Yeah, absolutely. You just go do whatever's best for you. And the one thing about Major League Fishing, the reason why I fish their events to start is because there was a lot of opportunities. And when I and I still to this day, like I appreciate that. Like I just want an opportunity to try to make a living fishing. And so whenever I moved here to Sam Ray, we had the BFLs between here and Chile to Bend. 
we have two Toyota series events a year here. And then, you know, you got invitational tour events come here all the time. I was able to live here in this area, fish a ton of events, go to the uh, invitation or go to the uh, Toyota series events, qualify for the championship. And I was able to just go to a lot of major league fishing events. They all just seem to flow together. So they gave me lots of opportunities to be on the water, to make money and make a name for myself. And so that's, that's what I look for. And yeah. it just, it all just kind of flowed. And the next thing I know, we're at the Bass Pro Tour. So check, it, check. it's all about, like you said, the most important thing, having fun on the water and just enjoying what you do. If you love it enough, if, if you're that passionate, good things can happen. But if you're not in the right mindset where you're getting wrapped up in all, of all that, like it, it it's not going to work out for you. I, I can tell you firsthand. Well, it makes perfect sense, man. It almost leads into my final, man. We're going to we're going to take a take this last question in this interview, man. What any closing thoughts? I want to know where we can find this Dakota Ebear YouTube that's rocking. Yeah, man. So, I I'm I'm actually excited about it for like I've avoided the whole social media thing, honestly, for my whole career. I say I've avoided it. I just haven't done a lot with it. I've done pretty much, let's be honest, the bare minimum with it. I've focused on being successful on the water and building my brand. I felt like in an authentic way that is true to me. And I didn't really care. I didn't care any of that stuff. And I've been fortunate enough to start with these partners that I have about fresh eyes, all companies. And I know now that it's my job to help from them get support me and help me pursue goals and stuff. And the way to do that, obviously, is through social media. It's the best way to advertise to market. It's just the world. And I honestly like so like low key. I've kind of always liked videoing and stuff. I used to video my deer hunts like that. I actually, I um, I went to a pawn shop like in 2008 and bought. I was still in high school and bought like a little cheap video core, you know, to build hunts. Now I had computer. I had no idea how to edit. I had no idea how to upload any of that stuff. I actually got some really content that I never did anything with, don't even have anymore because I didn't know how. And so now this is kind of all coming back full circle and I'm excited about it. Cool. Uh, we're going to be doing a full time, like a full uh, vlog series of just the life on the road, you know, traveling, hunting, fishing, enjoying the outdoor lifestyle and and uh I, I feel like you know at this point um it's kind of my job because i know a lot of people are looking on like the world like what you know and so uh i'm excited to kind of show people about what it's like living on the road and traveling and hunting and fishing and just enjoying life very cool, man. Well, we look forward to watching it, man. Dakota, I really appreciate you being on the program with us today, dropping all the knowledge that you can provide for us. We're definitely going to check out that YouTube channel, man. I appreciate you making that. It's going to be a lot of fun to win. Congratulations on your new sponsorship stuff. Bass Edge Radio, y'all stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this message, closing out this first episode of 2024. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. The newest addition to the BassCat STS family is here. 
Introducing the Caracal STS, showcasing aggressive styling, paired with enhanced performance and a continued dedication to raising the bar. Measuring in at 20 feet 2 inches with an ultra-wide 96-inch beam and rated for a 250 to 300 horsepower engine, the Caracal STS boasts agility and speed and is finished with premium features to satisfy any angler. Fast Cat Boats. Feel the rush. Here we are, back at it. More Bass Edge Radio. Man, just a few closing thoughts. Man, what a great interview there with Dakota Ebear. Man, enjoy the intro section with Rich, Rich Linger, Hellabass, being on the show. That was, that was pretty great. I really like hearing what, uh, what Rich had to say, kind of breaking down some some things going on in the industry. That was super cool. But, uh, man, Dakota Ebear, how about it? Let's talk about some of that some of that stuff he's got going on. Let's let's first, fundamentals. We, we talked a little bit about this with Cooper Gallant, um, but... I think there's this this thing out there, this aura, that guys that are having real, real good success are just forced to fish with this forward-facing sonar technology. Are they using it? Yes. Is it their primary dealio? Not really. It really isn't. They're still following the fundamentals of bass fishing. You know, in the wintertime, fish out deep. The, the fish are out, you know, they were over those schools of bait fish through the fall. They kind of meshed back into some some brush and getting into the creek channels. And, and then from there, man, you know, they're they're feeding on bait this time of year. There's still a lot of bait fish, but they're, they're just metabolism a lot, of slow, a lot slower. And they start moving. They start moving when they start feeling these warm days. Some of those big girls are going to stay out there in that deep water, but... Like Dakota was talking about, you know, these fish start moving, they migrate. They're still funneling in these fundamental zones where we know for years that they've been going and moving to. Um, so so don't forget about the fundamentals. Use forward-facing sonar technology within that, but but just don't focus on that wholeheartedly or you're just going to lose. You're, you're probably just going to lose. You're, number one, you're probably not going to understand it as well because – the forward-facing sonar technology because those fish are going to be doing something other than maybe what you're doing if they're following the fundamentals. The the neat thing that Dakota also mentioned was that we're learning more about fish because we have so many people on the water just understanding behavioral movements that we didn't know occurred in the past. Does that mean the fundamentals still don't happen? No. No. They still happen and it still occurs. But does that mean we're learning more about what other fish or other portions of the fish population are moving around with that forward-facing sonar technology? Heck yeah. So we're understanding more and more about the bass. We're understanding more and more about, yes, those fundamentals and where to find them, but also seeing them do some other things that we didn't know, um, you know, was a part of the puzzle. When, when we were blind before and we didn't have that technology. So I thought that was really cool what Dakota said. The other thing, man, mental attitude. We talk about this a lot at Bass Edge. You go back 414 episodes of Bass Edge Radio, and mental attitude is a huge thing, man. Dakota's got it. He's very positive. He's happy where he's at. He's, he, he's happy to be fishing, period. Dude made 440K in 2023. What? That's getting it done. That's getting done. So it was cool to see um, and listen to Dakota's thought process and, and congrats to him on the new partnership. Uh, you know, got it by catching bass. 
catching bass, got him a partnership. Obviously, he's a really nice dude, too. So um, that, that probably didn't hurt him. <laughs> so congrats, Dakota. Be looking for him in 2024 and, and how this whole thing shakes out. Can he stay in that top five for the Bass Fan World Rankings? Be interesting to see. It's uh, you got to stay super consistent to stay in that top five, man. Those top five catching. Uh, Wheeler's been number one for about four years now. Uh, hard to catch him. Of course, he's crazy consistent, but a little bit of movement underneath there. But uh, right now, Dakota Ebear in the top five in the world. That's pretty daggone awesome. Um, let's see. Really, uh, not a whole lot of tournaments coming up in this next uh, little cycle. We've got uh, another feature angler coming up here for mid-January. Um, I'm going to be rolling out um, to work on that new Bass Cat boat. So super excited of that. You're going to want to stay tuned, see the uh, development of, of what happens with the new Bass Cat that we're going to be running here at Bass Edge Radio. And, of course, we're going to be outfitting with MegaWare products, of course. So that's going to be great. We throw the power poles on there. We're going to have all kinds of great stuff, and um, we're going to be running it with a uh, Yamaha show. So uh, it's going to be uh, – Yamaha is a motor I personally have been running a long, long time. Uh, not a – Bass Edge was partnered for many, many years with Mercury, but, um, um, you know, with, with the uh, – with the changes that we've been going through here with the program, excited to run a Yamaha on that Bass Cat boat. So it's going to be cool to see. We'll let you guys in on the uh, break-in and, and how it feels to be running the Bass Cat. Um, lastly, obviously, thanks again, Dakota Ebear. Appreciate him dropping the Bass and knowledge for all of us to hear. Uh, wow, man, it's been a great first episode of 2024. Be sure to tune back in with Bass Edge Radio again, Jan 15. Be looking forward to another feature angler spotlight. Hit that subscribe, like button. Be sure to leave a comment as well. Adios, y'all. We'll see you next time right here on Bass Edge Radio.